This is Womb, the podcast that celebrates the power of rebirth. I'm your host, Nova Cobbin, and on this show, we'll hear from amazing women who dared to rediscover who they are. Women who reignited long-lost passions, took bold leaps of faith, and reimagined their futures in ways they never thought possible. Each week, we'll be inspired by the stories of strength, courage, and resilience. Stories that remind us it's never too late to start anew. There are always second chances, new beginnings, and opportunities for rebirth. So join us as we explore the journeys of phenomenal women who reinvented themselves and created the lives they've always dreamed of. Welcome to Womb Rebirth. Let's go. Hello, and welcome everybody to the latest episode of the podcast. I am here today with Annie Bennett. Annie and I have met once before, and her story is absolutely incredible, very inspiring, um, and we're going to go on a journey. I know we are, because we're going to go from, uh, well, I'll let you tell the story, Annie, but would you like to give us an introduction to yourself? Hello, yes, I'm Annie Bennett, um, and I am a wedding cake maker, and I also train home bakers in opening their own businesses as well. So I have sort of two parts to my business. So that's that's in a nutshell what I do at the moment, yes. Wonderful. Okay, so we are going to talk about your journey to get here mm-hmm. and some of the previous iterations of yourself, if you like. Mm-hmm. So where would you like us to start on your rebirth story? Oh, my goodness me. Um, Probably sort of way back when um, I was a primary teacher for 30 years. In fact, I worked out a while back that um, when I retired a couple of years ago, I'd actually been involved or part of the education system since I was two years old. Wow. Because my mum started a nursery in our house, which I was mm-hmm. part of. Then obviously I went to school and then I went straight from sixth form into teacher training for four years and then straight from teacher training into teaching. I didn't do the gap year. I didn't do, you know, any of that. So I've, it's been, con- it had been continuous mm-hmm. um, until I retired in 2021. But the last uh, 10 six five six years um of my teaching career were were years they were the change years they were very difficult (laughs) um and it's when I sort of morphed into what I do now so it it wasn't an instant process it was it took a few years to get where I am now I mean that's a really that's a really long time to be doing one particular thing and I think more unusual now as well because people tend to shift careers quite often yeah. But teaching, I think, is one of those things that often has a lot of longevity, like people are are in it and they are, um, you know, some of my teachers when I've been back to school are still there and have been there forever. And they're sort of part of it. They're part of the, the foundations almost of it. Yes. Um, yes. But I, I'm, I'm actually finding because I'm speaking to a lot of teachers. I've been in lots of teaching groups and, I, you know, I advise and I help. Um, and I'm actually finding that, that there are more and more teachers who think I can't do this anymore. I really can't do this, which, which was how I felt those few years ago. And so, yes, there are teachers that have been like me 30 years, but I think that's going to less, you know, that's being going to become less usual in years to come because yeah. of the stresses and the strains of the profession. It's it, you burn out really quickly. <laughs> Absolutely. I was a primary school teacher, which I 
um, I retrained because um, my son's father and I split up and I needed to have like a regular income and retrained and I could retrain in his school. Um, so that's what I did. But I did it for five years. I absolutely loved it. I loved being with the children. I miss all of the kind of like Christmas build up. And oh, yes. All of those, you know, <laughs> seeing them at the beginning and then seeing them grow as they get to year six and change. And, and that was all magical, really magical. And actually, I'm really looking forward to my daughter going to school because then I get to kind yes. of like do all of that stuff do again. It again. Yes. <laughs> um, but you're right. I mean, it's it's a huge amount of uh, stress and strain. And, and I think it's um, underrated because people are always sort of saying, oh, you've got all this holiday time. And, you yes. know. It's what like, are you moaning about you've got six and... off. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. exactly mm. so tell us a little bit more about those last sort of couple of years when things were changing for you and you were realizing that this mm. was something that you wanted to do yeah I'd, I'd become um a head teacher in 2009 um and in fact all the way along my teaching career it had always been the thing that I was going to fall back on but I fell back on it for 30 years, you know. Um, what was the original plan then? Oh, well, the original plan, um, I'm very theatrical. I sing. Um, and I'd always thought, right, I want to I want to perform. I want to sing. I want to act. And, and that was really where I wanted to, to go and be. In my early 20s, I really didn't have, you know, the determination or the resilience to undertake that kind of career um so I was always making excuses oh well you know I'll, I'll, I need a bit more money I need to do this I need to do that but looking back it was because you to be in in the arts you need to have um real armor you really need to be resilient um because you just get told all the time that you're no good and your rejection and all that kind of stuff um, I could I could probably do it now. I'm really quite resilient now, but yeah. not then. So all the way along, it was, um, oh, this is something I'm going to do for a little while. And then I'm going to. Yeah. But then, of course, I got married. I had children. I had a mortgage. I was the breadwinner. So all those kind of dreams sort of went by the wayside. Um, so I, I climbed the management ladder in teaching, mainly because someone said you ought to do this. You'd be good at that. Mm -hmm. And it was that one person I thought, oh, yeah, perhaps I could. So I went to be a deputy head and then I became a head teacher. The, the head teaching came at a time when my domestic circumstances were changing. Um, my marriage was failing. Um, things were really very difficult at home. Finances were very difficult because my husband didn't work um, and so on and so forth. And the first year, two years or so, I think I was head for about five altogether. But the first two years were great. I had an Ofsted, which was good, all that kind of stuff. But then in 2012, that's when, you know, the relationship really started breaking down. I was getting really very stressed. And in the October of 2012, I caught flu, you know, real bona fide temperature for a week. Flu. Yeah. Um, which of course completely knocked me for six and when you're ahead I mean when you're a teacher you know this Nova when you're a teacher if you have a day out you're spending like ages catching up when you're a head teacher and you have five days out it's mm, you know yes. nigh on impossible um, so I went back the following week I wasn't well at all I said I wasn't better but I went back because I knew that there were so many things I needed to do 
and the governors were insisting that I go and have the meeting oh you know all that kind of stuff um and I you know it lasted a few hours and my secretary said no you're to go home you know um and from that point I think I had another day or half a day in school it's very very hazy actually the memory because of what mm. happened the details are very hazy but I ended up getting pneumonia and being off work till Christmas wow. <laughs> which was fairly big time uh, and the school was only a small school um, but obviously they found it very difficult without me and because of the nature of of you know being off school you don't say oh I'm going to be off till Christmas you say I'm going to have to have another week I'm going to have to have another two weeks so they were in a position where they didn't really know what was going on either and then the following year in 2013 um, I tried to go back I tried to have a phased return I was then off for another week you know and it was oh, gosh. Oh, it was awful it was on and off but be because the stress of trying to re-establish myself and to cope with all the things that had happened. Because while I was off, I don't, I don't think it was particularly because I was off, but while I was off, various things happened. You know, there were safeguarding issues, there were staffing issues, there was all sorts of things that happened that I was having to deal with when I went back and I didn't have the capacity to do it. Yeah. You know, I didn't have the, the strength to do it. And I kept going into school and um, being ambushed, if you like, by things, you know, meetings that had been set up for me, but I had no capacity to, <laughs> to cope with. Yeah. Um, so I was in and out of school that, that I didn't receive as much support as I perhaps felt I could have done. I can't say too much because I signed an NDA. So, <laughs> you know, um, there were obviously things that were happening that I had no control over whatsoever. And then in the June, um, while I was off, Ofsted came and completely slated the place. And when I went back, I went back for a, a few weeks in July and was sort of shown the Ofsted inspection and um, it was awful. The staff um, were, had been awful about me uh, the parents have been awful about me um, and it was just it was just awful 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 um, so I again had the end of July I said well, no, no, I can't cope with this but what I'll do is I'll have the summer off I'll take my children on holiday um, by this point um, me and my ex-husband we weren't exes by then but the proceedings had started um, and so I thought, right, well, I'll have summer, I'll go back in September, I'll have my Wonder Woman bracelets on and I'll be able to, you know, zap and pow. Yeah. <laughs> and really, you know, so yeah, the summer, we went away to Spain, had a lovely time. But at the end of the summer, my uh, ex-husband or my husband, as he was then, moved out of the house. So I went back in September with one daughter, who was in walking distance for her new school, but the other daughter who needed to go to a childminder because the primary school was too far. And I, right. I had to be in work by seven yeah. and I couldn't, you know. So she had to go to a childminder at seven in the morning. And at that point, daddy had just left. So she was in tears every morning that she missed yeah. daddy. So I was having to go to school, <laughs> having just come from a, a hysterical child. Mm -hmm. um, and in that first week 
of that term, I had to have a, or the, the governors had set up an evening parents meeting where I, I was basically crucified. They, they were out to get me. And it was just awful. <laughs> just awful. Sounds awful. It, it, was, it was appalling, actually. When I look back and think, blimey, they just sat there and let these parents say these things to me. You know, they didn't try and, you know, um, referee or anything. They just sat there and let it happen. Oh, my goodness. Um, for quite a few months, I'd been in touch with the union. Yeah. Um, and they'd said, you know, they'd given me advice and they told me this, that and the other and said and had said all the way along, if you want to get out, Annie, we can help you. Just say the word and we'll help. But all the way along, I was like, no, I am woman. I can do this. I'm not going to let it beat me. And, you know, but of course, it came to the point, you know, about two weeks in September after this hideous meeting. I thought, what am I doing? Why am I? wanting yeah. to do this why yeah. you know why why am I allowing my daughter to be so upset every day why am I you know surely it's actually more courageous to say that's it I've had enough mm -hmm. I'm gonna stop this now yeah. even though the the knowledge that the lack of finances were going to be you know what were the blimineck was I going to do about it mm -hmm. um so I said to the union yep yeah, that's it get me out and it might have even been the day after the meeting, but I, I, the memories are hazy and I can't remember mm. the details. Um, but yeah, I just sort of said, no, that's it, get me out. And they negotiated, you know, the contract and everything. And by the 31st of, I mean, I didn't go back, but by the 31st of October in that year, my contract was finished. And so I was no longer a head teacher. Wow. So, yeah. So, and because of the, you know, the, um, the contract and the, the way it was done, I had enough money then to be able to not work for a couple of months. I, I could sit back and go, oh, yeah. the priorities of the system were very different from the priorities that I had when I first went into it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all to do with getting percentages and passing tests now, mm. even at the age of five. I mean, yeah. Yes, it's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I mean, the phonics test, the tables test, test, the SATs, mm -hmm. all that. And it's all, you know, to be a bit political for a minute, it's all because the government want their statistics to say how wonderful they are. Yeah, um, of course. It's nothing to do with the children. And however much a school might say, oh, yes, we value the individual, is cobblers. It really is, pardon my French, but it, it's all to do with we need a certain percent of children to pass the, the mark otherwise we will fail our Ofsted and that's yeah. what education is now yeah really course. sad yeah. really yeah. sad yeah definitely I, I couldn't agree more yeah. with that okay so you've gone through this horrendous time <laughs> you've had some time to kind of recognize that when you've gone back it still isn't right for you it's not what you want anymore mm. so what happens next okay so in those few months um, between finishing head teaching and Christmas, I was in that position where I could say, right, well, I can do whatever I want now. Mm -hmm. I could do anything. What shall I do? Excuse me. And I thought, and I've got quite a few skills. So there's quite a few things that I could do. You know, I, I do dressmaking and I considered whether to do the teaching and the acting thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but by then, the, te the, the acting and the singing, I was doing in a um in an 
I hate the word amateur, but in a non-paid way. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, and I was loving it and I didn't want to stop doing that in the way I was doing it. In fact, because I was in that time that I was coming out of head teaching that awful year, I was actually singing a lead role. Wow. In the group that I was in. And I think partly that saved me because if I mm. hadn't been doing that, I'd have had nothing to sort of focus my yes I can do this on if that makes sense <laughs> and it's an outlet as well isn't it having yeah. that expression that you get absolutely and it's quite I mean it was Tosca I was singing and it's very emotive role very dramatic um and it did allow me to you know get a lot out yeah. um and in fact I went to quite a few rehearsals and cried a lot of the time but everyone was like that's right we got you <laughs> you know um but yeah, so I, I thought, what can I do? What can I do? And I'd always liked baking. I'd always been, you know, the teacher who took things into the staff room and was very popular uh, for some of the time. Um, so I thought, do you know what I'd really love to do is make wedding cakes. I can mm. really, you know, oh, that would be all oh, fabulous. Um, but at that point, I'd never made a wedding cake. Um, mm -hmm. So what I did was I thought, right, well, I'll, I can start a business and I can learn how to make wedding cakes. Mm -hmm. so uh in 2014 I think it was the business was set up and I started doing markets I was trading at um farmers markets and yeah uh, and while I was doing that I was um training myself doing training courses and diplomas in um basically how to make wedding cakes so I was learning about royal icing I was learning about sugar flowers I was learning about um sugar paste um all those kind of things and I was just soaking up as much as I could you know mm -hmm. with paid courses and free courses and YouTube channels and all that yeah. kind of um and just you know it was just like <laughs> give me the <laughs> yeah. I want to I want to soak it all in um and of course, but but of course, at that point, I knew nothing about business at all. Had, having been a teacher, you know, you don't know about marketing. You don't know. I mean, you know a bit about planning and strategy. Yes. Not necessarily in a business way. Mm -hmm. um, so I look back now at when I started and thought, oh, gosh, I didn't do that, did I? Oh, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that, of course, helps me now, because what I can now do is show new bakers actually you need to know this you need to do this because it, I didn't do it when I first started and had mm -hmm. I done my journey would have been much quicker yeah yes um so yeah so I basically um yeah learned how to do it all I did put it on hold a little bit when I went back into the classroom full-time because I mm -hmm. thought that's what I want to do but the, then again the only reason I went back into the classroom really was because I needed a steady income because my girls who were brilliant and said oh it's all right mummy we don't need any clothes and we don't need holidays um I thought I've got you know I've got to be able to provide for them um and I want to take them on a lovely holiday and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. so that was the reason I went back in um but as I said it it soon became apparent that no nah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um so yeah so 2018 19 that finished as well and and at that point I thought right I'm gonna do this business thing yeah yes. I'm gonna I could do wedding cakes by then so I thought right I'll um get some wedding cakes booked in um and so 
at the beginning of 2020, my wedding cake diary was actually quite full, which was amazing. But we all know what happened in March 2020, (laughs) don't we? (laughs) No more weddings. Yes, yes. Um, Yeah, and 2020 was another huge turning point Mm -hmm. uh, because of that. Um, And I, you know, lots and lots of other business owners and people in the wedding industry were very much the same. You know, there was, I I remember sitting watching Boris Johnson. um, I was sitting at my dining table, I was doing something cakey and I had my laptop on and he was doing his, we're going into lockdown and all the schools are shutting Mm. and everything's off. And I remember sitting there thinking, oh blimey all my income has gone yeah where where am I going to get income from mm. because I was doing supply teaching that gone yeah of and all my weddings had gone yeah so there was five minutes of utter panic mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be yes yeah um but then I thought right okay well I've got to do something about this I've got to take action I can't just sit and moan and be sorry for myself I've got to actually do something I contacted the the teaching agency and said, Mm. if you've got anything, uh, uh, an employed role, um, even if even though it's lockdown. And they did actually that someone had asked for for me, actually, which was quite nice. Um, But they they had a teacher that was going. So they needed a replacement. And even though it was lockdown and it was all online, they still needed a person. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't full time in the classroom and it wasn't a full time but it was better than nothing. So I took that. And then I was part of a, um, I still am part of a a Facebook group for the wedding industry. Mm -hmm. And they were very quick off the mark. And they put on a day's conference online. This is when we all learned how to do Zoom. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Zoom. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, And they had, I mean, they had a lawyer in to talk about legal things about, you know, where you stand with refunds and all that kind of stuff. They had well-being people. They had all sorts. And they also had, um, as part of it all, a lady called Lisa Johnson, who I know you know. Mm, Yes, yes. (laughs) Who was talking about pivoting your business, making passive income. Yeah. And I thought, oh, this is this sounds very interesting. And her her main thing is being able, she teaches people to take skills and knowledge and turn it into money, you know, turning it into income. I did her course, mm-hmm. which basically involved me setting up a Facebook group for bakers who want to open a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and that grew really quickly. Wow. Within a couple of months, I had thousands in there. Wow. Uh, I think it was the timing because, because baking wasn't a prohibited activity. You could still mm-hmm. bake sell. Yeah, lots of people started doing their own baking and stuff at that time, didn't Indeed. they? Indeed. So I was there at the right time saying, yeah. I can show you how to do this. I can show you how to get your food inspection passed. I can show you how to do this that and the other so I set up some courses I wrote some books and I set up in the September of that year I set up a membership so by the end of 2020 I had another income coming in from you know from the training side of the business and it was that point because I joined Lisa's world and I joined lots of other business networks 
I'd really start that was when I really started learning about how business works yeah you know things like ideal client Mm -hmm. I've not heard of before then um and I go through the process that I think everyone goes through with when they hear about ideal client they think oh no I just want to sell to everybody everyone yeah (laughs) (laughs) but once you get to really understand what an ideal client is it's Mm -hmm. an absolute game changer and thinking oh yeah that's useful I can I use that um so you say that the, the learning curve of business in 2020 was almost vertical. And there's the golden thread of your journey because it's still the inherent teacher in you yep. <laughs> is still kind of leading the way through different iterations of what teaching can look like and, and how that can kind of arise or, or how you do that. Yeah. Even and it's it sort of occurs to me as I'm sort of hearing your story and digesting your story that there's also weaved through that the the sort of pupil to teacher journey mm. you know you went right back to that learning journey where you were at the beginning of how do I learn how to make a cake and yeah. how do I um how do I kind of create a curriculum for myself where I'm going to have all the parts that I need so that I can get to where I want to be yeah absolutely and I uh, and actually learning makes you a better teacher Mm, in fact I used to say this when I was teaching um you know you if you go and you learn something new it really grounds you as you you understand really in depth how your pupils feel and I always found the best teachers at school were the ones who kind of started by giving you the simple explanation and then expanded upon that and then concluded it back with a simplistic kind of summary absolutely the teachers who kind of dove into the sort of middle part without giving the you're like you're lost already it's like just and then they might eventually kind of get to this simple explanation it's like why didn't you start there (laughs) then I would have been on board for the whole journey but I was lost for all of it (laughs) absolutely and it's in and it's a real public speaking skill for anyone that's got a business you're you know if you're doing a session or a you know public speak or a training session it goes you say what you're going to you, you tell them what they, you're going to say, yeah. you say it, and then you tell them what you've said. Yes. And yeah. if, if those three parts are essential, yeah. you know, you don't just launch into it. You say, right, this is what we're going to cover today. You cover it and then you sum up and say, yeah, this is this is it. Everything all right. Have you got it? Anything you want me to go over? Yeah. I mean, that's why teaching is so transferable, I think. You know, because all of those skills, like setting the learning objective and communicating what the learning objective is in child friendly language, you know, all of those setups are really transferable to so many other industries and actually bring so many benefits to industries that have not been built upon that model. Absolutely. But what's so tragic is the way that the education system is now and the Ofsted and the, you know, the performance management. There are so many teachers that think they're no good that think they haven't got any skills because they're told all the time that they've got to improve and they're told that this isn't good enough and that isn't good enough. Um, so as I said earlier, I, you know, I talk to a lot of teachers. Mm. So I don't, I want to leave teacher, but I, I haven't got any skills. I don't know what to do. And I say, yeah. listen to me, <laughs> you've yeah. got a lot of skills. Absolutely. Do anything that you want to, but they're so beaten down by the system. Um, you know, but yeah, and management is so, you know, we've got to improve our teachers because Ofsted have said that we've got to do this, mm. that and the other. 
so we've got to tell our teachers to pull their socks up and, and get better and get more percentage of children through the whatever um and so they're always you know when you're teaching in fact the last couple of years when I had that last job it was very much that it was pick pick mm-hmm. pick pick all the time and you just thought will you just let me get on with it you know yes. <laughs> just yes. and I just it was wearing and and it was that that made me think right that's it this isn't yeah. anymore um but yeah, it, it's it's true. There's so many skills that teachers have. But mm. say the tragedy is that they don't realise it because they're not told that they've got these skills. So. That's such a shame. And I hadn't thought about it that way before, actually, the way in which they're kind of browbeaten. Yeah. It. Yeah. And right. I see it all the time. I'm in a couple of Facebook groups and I see that the, the, sometimes the desperate, desperate posts they put up. I can't do this anymore. You know, I've been awake all night. I spent all Sunday crying and all those awful, awful things yeah. um, because they think they're useless and they think they're no good because that's what their teams are telling them. It's awful, isn't it? It is really awful. awful. It's really yeah. awful. And, mm. you know, you mentioned Lisa Johnson there, and I think that that's, that's actually one thing that she does very well. Not only mm. does she keep it simple and explain things very well and then build you up to more complex Mm. ideas Mm. but also I think there is you know there's a lot in that business influencer field which is a bit browbeaty is a bit kind of like you know if you're not achieving this and you're not doing very well if you're not here then you're not on the right mindset you know there's lots of messaging that's very similar to that sort of like a you know, here's this, what success looks like, yeah. and you're down, you know, you're right down here, yeah. <laughs> um, and there are some people like Lisa Johnson who are doing a really good job yes. of helping people feel like it is achievable. Absolutely, for absolutely. I say that the, the whole 10k month. If you're not making 10k months, then you're not a success. Yeah. But Lisa says it doesn't matter. You know, that's rubbish. You know, yeah. as long as you're doing. And I say this to my bakers, if you think you're not doing very well, look at where you were a year ago or five years ago, you're going to be doing better than you were then. And that's progress. So but Lisa does that all the time. Yeah, you're right. And and I think you made a really important point about failure and and that being something that actually is a teaching point and Mm -hmm. is a turning point because you had that was a turning point for you was the kind of this massive switch in the way that your health went but then also the kind of consequences of all of that yeah and using that's what rebirth is all about right is sort of like experiencing a huge shift and then being able to pull something out of the ashes of that that help you rebuild yeah absolutely it's yeah it's the phoenix rising isn't it yeah it's you know i've had a failure but i am not a failure yes it's that difference isn't it it's I've experienced something that's gone wrong yeah what I'm going to do is I'm going to pluck all the knowledge I can out of it Mm -hmm. squeeze all the learning I can and once it's completely empty of anything that's useful to me then I will forget or not forget about it but I will then park it and I will move on yeah Um, because there's no point in keep you know worrying about and I say this to people all the time if you can't do anything about it why are you worrying mm-hmm. yes you know, well if if you're worried about something happening what can you put in place to prevent it or what can you put in place to um make it less of a, a problem and if you can't then why are you worrying about it, it yeah it's, it doesn't make sense waste of energy <laughs> yeah <laughs> put yeah. your energy into something that's that will you know move you forward 
Yes. You know, and a lot of my bakers, they worry about so-and-so down the road who is doing this, that and the other. I say, why are you worrying about them? Yeah. Concentrate on what you're doing and make your doing what you're doing brilliant. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it will be, you know, self-fulfilling if you like. And whoever it is down the road can do what they do yes. and you can do what you do and you can coexist. You know? Yes. <laughs> And that's a, that's a beautiful nurturing side of teaching coming out in you there as well. I think that yeah. there is a sort of, an, a, a, hopefully for a lot of teachers, there is a nurturing side oh, as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Te I mean, teachers have got that skill mm. in, in absolute bundles. And that that's the, the weird thing about teaching is that you go into teaching because you care about the children and you yeah. want them to become decent human beings and you want them to be happy and healthy but the system has got other priorities yes um in and it's a with real it. you know um and the whole thing about you know teachers want to please they want to do their best which is why teachers often just keep saying yes to management in fact I, I used to get a bit in trouble um towards the end of my career because I would say to other teachers you can say no yeah you know yeah. it's part you know it will save your well-being if you say no or say yes but what do you want me to not do to get yes you're asking me to do done yes <laughs> um yeah. and and I was frowned upon you know from doing that because you know how, how dare you tell teachers to say it's okay to say no. <laughs> yes we don't want them having an opinion <laughs> yeah, I know. but you know I I would come across crying teachers all the time and being sort of big and experienced and, you know, it, it, I, I could say to them, look, you know, this, you, you need to stand up for yourself. You need to look after yourself because that's the other thing that teachers don't do. They look after everybody else. Yes. They don't put themselves first. Yes. Um, but I'm always talking about the airplane analogy, you know, the, the oxygen mask when it comes mm -hmm. down, put yours on first. Yeah. Um, because if you're not breathing and okay, then you can't help anybody else yeah and I think lots of teachers put that to one side I haven't got time to look after myself I haven't got a minute to you know sit and do something for me yes. because I've got to be planning these lessons I've got to be doing this I've got to be looking after my family mm. um but it pays dividend and I've really that's one thing I've really learned over the past few years and it's paid off and I, I feel that I'm much more capable of doing things now because I know when to stop I can feel when stress triggers I, yeah. I'm really good at spotting those so I think right that's it I'm going to stop I'm going to do whatever it is I need to do um because I don't want it to progress because I know what that's like and I don't yes want you know where that leads yeah absolutely yeah. um well, Annie, it is amazing to hear how you're doing now. And we're going to link everybody into um, your groups and things so that they can find you and find out more about you. Um, and we'll probably link uh, into some of the things that we've mentioned in there that people might be interested in about finding more about as well. Yes, yes, um, yes. But I really like to end all of these podcasts by asking you what piece of advice you would like to offer your younger self from your current self. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. There are so many things. I think um, it would be my three favourite words that are on the door behind me. Be determined, be resilient and persevere. Because if you can do those three things, whatever happens and whatever barriers you come across, you will find a way around them. 
and you will never be oh well I can't do that then because this has happened you will always think right how can I get around this so mm -hmm. those three words yeah go for it um, and I love that you have that for anyone who's just listening Annie actually has those words stuck up on her door as well behind her yes. um, as a brilliant reminder so um, I, I would encourage any of you to put your favorite words up somewhere where you can see them because I think it's great I've actually got them on the bottom of my computer screen um, um, not those ones but <laughs> um, so thank you so much Annie for being with us today and for telling us your fantastic story um, I think it was both moving and motivating in equal measure so thank you so much for being here it's been a pleasure thank you Nova and thank you everyone for listening we'll see you in the next episode If you're enjoying this podcast, why not download the Womb app? It's going to help you to understand what a rebirth is and how to have one for yourself. Join in the chat rooms, download the materials and programs and get monthly coaching and monthly networking, all for the price of $6.99 a month. Download now in the App Store or Google Play Store.